Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. So uh, I want to go, if you would, join me at the, uh, the 84th division of Psalm, uh, Psalm 84. And uh, the name of my message today is the Sons of Korah Got It Right. Sons of Korah got it right, I think. Um, you know, did you know that David didn't write all the Psalms? I think most of you know that, but, you know, if you didn't, that's okay, because probably most people think he did. But the Psalms were actually collected over about an uh, 800-year period before they were all finally put together as we know them. So there were different periods of uh, collecting them. So like, uh, you know, there's actually five books of Psalms, uh, like Psalm 1 through 42, and 43 through 70 something, so on and so forth. Uh, and so in a couple collections, my sisters, my brothers, from other mothers, uh, there's a group called the Sons of Korah who wrote them. Uh, they were quite prolific. And, uh, but have you ever heard that name Korah before? He's kind of, their father was kind of famous in the history of Israel. I should say infamous. Um, back in Numbers chapter 16, when Moses uh, was leading and it was a real unpopular time, uh, they led, or their father along with Dathan and Abiram. Anybody ever heard of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? All right. That's why I'm here. All right. It's a fairly famous story. It really is. So uh, it's so famous. Edward G. Robinson played Korah. Cecil B. DeMille. All right. So I think that was Edward G. Robinson. I think it was Korah. <laughs> so he played one of those three guys in the famous uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, story, and he was the guy that was always going, yeah, yeah, Moses, yeah. That's a bad idea, Moses, yeah, it's a bad idea. What are you doing? So, and it goes on to say, when you get to Numbers 26, that's number 16, many of those were judged who had rebelled against Moses. The earth literally opened up and swallowed them up. But then there's one, one little phrase in Numbers 26, 11. I'm not going to take you there. And it says this. But the sons of Korah were spared. The sons of Korah were spared. And uh, so historians say that this is, these are the descendants of that man who once rebelled against Moses. And God had mercy on them. He had mercy on them. You know, He's had mercy on me. He's had mercy on you. Um, I should be in hell right now, to be honest with you. I, I don't say that lightheartedly. He's been good to us. He's forgiven our sin. He has given us new life. And so it's really cool to read some of the Psalms from the sons of Korah. 
they tend to be more hopeful. Uh, and they don't seem to come at a, a good time in Israel's history. But you ever listen to Psalm 42? That was probably by them. Uh, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. What about Psalm 63? You ever heard that one? Uh, Lord, my soul longs for thee. Uh, like someone in a desert in a dry place. So I long for your presence. Uh, Psalm 46, right? Um, uh, uh, the Lord is our refuge and strength. A very present help in the time of trouble. You know, uh, the Asaph Psalms tend to talk about, legitimately, tend to talk about uh, how, and lament a lot about how God is, needs to rescue us, oh Lord, the temple's destroyed, we've been invaded. The Psalms of Korah, the sons of Korah, seem to look forward a lot, believe that God's going to work it out. We need all these Psalms, right? We need to lament sometimes. Then we need to lift our heads and say, okay, the Lord's going to work it out. He's going to bring us through. Amen? And so let's look at this wonderful psalm. I'm going to read it. It's 10 verses. So I'm going to read the whole thing. You know something? I'm going to, sometimes I forget to do this. And she, I don't know if she's even in here. I want to thank God for my wife, uh, Rachel. She is truly the, the better half. And uh, this month, matter of fact, I don't remember the exact date. She's not in here. Oh, that didn't go together. Just so you know, those two comments didn't go together. Uh, uh, we started going to this church October 1998. So uh, 19 years ago. I think I was five or six, right, Tony? All right. So many four. I wasn't five or six, actually. Uh, number one, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. It's funny, I looked that word up, faint, and uh, I kind of laughed, and, and I thought, uh, like, Frank Sinatra faint. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like when you hear somebody sing and... and uh, Ah. All right, so that's kind of how we're supposed to be as, uh, as Christians for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. My King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
That was one of the first songs I heard when I came here. Remember Jeannie up here singing or Dave Sword singing? That was definitely a Dave Sword song, Angela. All right? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. That's an interesting one. I hope to get back to that. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. The sons of Korah got it right. There's a few things I want to bring out about this psalm. Uh, you know, in verses one through four, he it appears that the psalmist is away from Jerusalem. He's away from home. We don't know what the deal is. We don't know if it's you know, because of war. We don't know if it's because of he just has to live away. Maybe his home is actually elsewhere. Uh, we don't know. It could be because of captivity. We really don't know. But whatever it is, he seems to be distant from the house of the Lord. You know, the house of the Lord was definitely for the, for the Psalms, almost always a reference to the temple, to the temple. Uh, now, it meant more than the brick and mortar, but it did intersect with that. So the house of the Lord, and he, he longed for it. He said it was lovely, lovely. Remember my dad used to say all the time, he uh, we get ready to go to church and he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Great psalm there. I think that's 122. I was glad when they said to me, you know, uh, the Lord in his mercy has made me glad more and more. It wasn't always like that, though. I remember as a child, my dad preaching and uh one time he was preaching about being in heaven forever and ever. And it seemed like that bad boy struck my little five, six, seven-year-old heart or whatever it was. So I went up to him after service crying. I think he felt like the anointing had come upon me. And maybe this was that moment where I would turn to Christ and be saved. So he said, what is it, son? I said, Daddy. He said, yes. I said, I don't want to be with Jesus forever. Like, what about tag? You know, duck, duck, goose. What about Sesame Street? I had this, in my, in my head, I had heaven as a long church service with clouds. And... Uh, I just couldn't bear the th I couldn't bear the thought. I, whew, whoa, you know, it's kind of like I nausea begin this. So sad to say, my little unregenerated self uh, was not attracted to that proposition. So God has changed that. <laughs> I'm attracted to that proposition. Not in a, I hope not in an escapist way either. But lovely is the dwelling place of God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, 
there are pleasures forevermore. Great church father Augustine said this, Lord, you, you made us for yourself. And we will always be restless until we find rest in thee. Well, Lord, I, I, uh, I'm, your, your dwelling place is lovely, O Lord of hosts. My, my soul faints for, for, for it, for the courts of the Lord. My flesh and heart cry out to the living God. Now, let me, let me just say this here. I think that this is an appeal to public worship. So the idea of local church worship. I know that's what we were doing with churches back then, but this is not just emotional. I mean, he can worship God where he's at, you know, way out there. And that's, that's, that's legit. That's totally legit. Wherever you are, you can worship him. But there was something that the psalmist saw about gathering and gathering at the temple in his presence. So I want to try to balance this carefully. I'm not just I'm not just talking about church attendance. It's important as I believe that is. That is a pattern in the New Testament. But I'm talking about doing life together. Uh, in in Christ. Uh, worshiping together. I'm talking about gathering around word and sacrament. I'm talking about the spirit and the gifts. I'm talking about gathering in the presence of the Trinity together. Sitting down at his table in the midst of the wilderness. And him being in the middle. And him feeding all of us. That's special. And never forsake it. Never forsake the gathering together of his people. I want to read one passage for you from uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. I could super quick. Y'all out there still? Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, and we're going to begin at uh, verse, uh, I think it's 25. Uh, Well, no, let me back up. Verse 18. This is an interesting passage, but I think he's talking about, well, let's read it. (laughs) For you have, okay, everybody there, Hebrews 12, 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. Uh, if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But here it is. Transition. That's the Old Testament. Mount Sinai. But where have you come, believer in Jesus? But you have come to Mount Zion. And we're going to talk about this from Psalm 84, this road to Mount Zion. But we'll, we'll talk about that. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable, comp- innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who enroll, who are enrolled in heaven. And you've come to God, 
the judge of all. And you've come to the spirits of the, of, the, of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they do not, did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will they escape if they reject him who warns from heaven. That time his voice shook the earth. Now he has promised Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. You know what? I think he's talking about worship. I think he's talking about life together in the body of Christ. This is not heaven yet. This is even now. Do you think of our gatherings that way? Wherever we are, not just at RT. We're gathering in the presence of God and of his holy angels and of Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and even of the saints. I, I don't believe the spirits of saints are sitting here. Okay, don't, 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 don't uh, uh, misunderstand me. But in some way, in some way, I think they cheer us. And uh, we're in their presence. It's our turn. Amen? You can do it. Uh, the importance of public worship... A, a, a taste of home, a taste of home is what I want you to think about. Wherever we, wherever we are as the RT family, as the people of God, let's gather together. Let's gain a taste of home. I, uh, one uh, missionary uh, came back from about 25 years on the mission field, and I believe this is a true story. Uh, and he comes back on a ship. And as he approaches the bay, the band strikes up, you know. So he's kind of like, oh, shucks, I can't believe this. Boy, they sure overdid this. Oh, my goodness. Deserve no welcome party like this, but I guess they're going to do it. I guess I'm going to get I wonder if they got any lobster in there. But since they're going to do it, you know, but they shouldn't have did all that. Oh, my goodness. So as they pull up, he, he, he gets off, kind of all, all shuts, and the guard stops him. And Teddy Roosevelt gets off the ship, goes down to the dock. Band plays, and the whole thing leaves with Teddy Roosevelt. Longtime missionary gets off, and they forgot to pick him up. So he's left with his bags, his little family on the Doc, and he's kind of moaning. Lord, I've been serving you all these years, and I come home, and there's, even, there's not even anybody to greet me. So I'm in the Vietnam vets felt. I come home, and they don't even appreciate me. And he said, the Lord said to him, but son, you're not home yet. Son, you're not home yet.
There'll be a, there'll be a reception. Trust me. Uh, the dwelling place of God is so lovely. The courts of God make my heart sing. Uh, uh, even the sparrow finds a home. Verse three. In your altars. It's like he, he, he so longs for the, 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 the gathering of the people of God. He's envying the animals that would land. The birds. He's like envying them. <laughs> I wish I was. At least the birds is back in the temple. Hearing the songs. Verse four. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. That's probably a reference to the priests who were always working in the temple. Anybody ever felt like, man, I, if I could just be in church all the time, maybe I should become like a theologian. Maybe I should become a pastor so I could just be, you know, I ain't got to go out there and all that madness, all that crazy, some crazy bosses, whatnot. <laughs> some of you may be called a ministry, but that wouldn't be the right motivation. All right, so uh, that, that, that's not how it works, first of all. And so if I could, point number one, I want to call you to a taste of home. Make a habit of gathering together with the people of God. Uh, this is going to sound boastful, but I remember a few, several years ago, I used to work in the Renaissance Center, and they used to have this room called the quiet room. It was a little sacred looking place. I don't know what it was like. No distinction, no, no distinctive religious symbols in there. Just stained glass and benches. And uh, so I would go in there on my lunch and just try to get my head on straight and talk to the Lord and read my Bible. So one day this young lady comes up to me and she said, um, I don't mean to be too forward, but I wrote a poem about you. So I said, oh, did you really? I was a married man. So I kind of gently held up my ring in that position. Did you? Is that right? I've never had the problem of women hitting on me, though. Men will hit on my wife every now and then. I got to pull my belt up. But uh, I haven't had that problem. But... uh, uh, but still, I was just kind of like, hey, whoa, hey, whoa. But she says, no, it's just that I, every time I come in here, look, again, this is going to kind of sound boastful, but every time I come in here, I see you in prayer. I'm just trying to keep my head on straight and talk to the Lord. <laughs> so she said, I called it a praying man. So wow. She said, can I read it to you? I said, sure. So she read it. It was very nice. And uh, just out of politeness, I said, "Why wow, you mentioned Jesus in there. What, what, uh, what church do you go to? So she goes, oh, I go to this one. Right, this connection right here. It's one to one. <laughs> and it just kind of came out of my mouth. I said, oh, that's too bad. I, I, didn't, mean, I didn't mean to say it. And she was like, what do you mean? I said, well, it just seems like you're missing a great opportunity, and we're missing a great opportunity in having you. I don't know how you can follow all the one another commandments in the New Testament going to this church here. I'm not sure who you're going to pray for when you pray for one another. 
Or who are you going to serve when it says serve one another in love? I'm not saying you can never be in a transition from church to church. I'm saying gather in a church in the name of the Lord. He loves you. He wants the best for us. Amen. And uh, it didn't end well, that conversation with that lady. So I hope our conversation ends better than that one. Uh, I meant no harm. I really didn't. But that's just not the pattern. Uh, the pattern is to come together to forgive one another. Implies folk going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you. I don't plan to, but I probably will. I will disappoint you. I don't plan on it, but it's going to happen. I will be a knucklehead from time to time. Please forgive me. And let's work together. And let's move together. Amen? A taste of home. Point number two comes from verses five through seven. Let me mention these quickly. Point number two is the highway. Uh, still together, even though, even when we're in different places. We're still together, even when we're in different places. Let me get back to that scripture one more time. He says, verse five, blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Road trip. Anybody here like road trips? Yes. Right. Um, that's like an excuse to buy beef jerky. You know what I'm saying? Mama. Uh, you, know, you can buy stuff you normally would. All right, go on ahead. I remember one of my favorite things was uh, 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 Bob Evans. Sauces, gravy, and biscuits. So that's a part of my shared memory with my, my family. We, we never went to Bob Evans unless we was on the road. <laughs> Something magical about getting on I-75. There's a Bob Evans for every strike. And Cracker Barrel. Hallelujah. Y'all quiet out there. Pars, did y'all stop at Bob Evans on the way here at Cracker Barrel? I know you did. Don't even tell me otherwise. The highways. Uh, that's a very interesting word, the highways. The Hebrew word is masalot. Everybody say masalot. Uh, it means a roadway. Pretty simple. It, it means a roadway that everybody kind of work together to build up. You take a bunch of stones. The, word, the root word is like build up, but then it means like a road or a highway to get one place uh, to the next, to, to create commerce, to get from here to there, to create travelways. Uh, but this one here talks about the highways to Zion. Now, this is a major theme in the book of Isaiah. And if I could take you to a couple passages there, y'all all right still? Isaiah, let me show you this. I may just show you one, I might show you two. Well, I'm gonna at least show you one. I got three, but I'm gonna go down to two. And I'm gonna probably just do one. So let's do it to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35, please. This is one of the most powerful passages to me. If, if I don't read them, 
Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5, the text that John the Baptist quoted, preparing a way for the Lord, Missalot, and Isaiah 62 and 10. You can read those chapters on your own. But let's look at Isaiah 35 for a moment. A lot of parallels between Isaiah 35 and Psalm 84. Bear with me. I'm reading a lot of scripture to you today. The world, everybody there? I'm so excited. I'm getting beside myself. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. And say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. That was the passage Jesus quoted to John the Baptist just before he was going to be killed to tell him, it is me, bro. This is happening. The eyes of the blind are being opened, aren't they, John? Aren't the ears of the deaf being unstopped? Aren't the lame walking, John? For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And here is verse 8. And a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. It'll be a safe place. No lions shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there. But the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. All right, song break. It's a highway to heaven. None shall walk up there but the pure in heart. It's a highway to heaven. Walking up the king's highway. Y'all remember that one? It's a highway to heaven. None shall walk up there but the pure in heart, it's a highway to heaven, walking up the king's highway. That was a good one. That was a good song back in the day. So we are on a highway, my sisters and my brothers. A couple of things I want to mention to you about that. Christianity is a journey. It's a journey to Zion. We talked about home and we talked about the need to gather together. But that's in tension with the fact that we are in transit. We are pilgrims passing through. Sometimes that even takes shape in flesh and blood. Sometimes we're called to move. 
Sometimes we're called to a vineyard. And that's good. Sometimes we're called to stay. Sometimes we're called to go. But stay on the highway. Amen? The highway to Zion. The great book, Pilgrim's Progress, seemed to capitalize on that. The whole story was about staying on the golden road that led to the celestial city. And he would walk often with other people on that road. Some were helpful, some were dangerous. One of the characters in the book was called Shortcut. <laughs> that was his name. All, all, all the characters that would walk with Christian, Christian was the main character. Uh, they had different names. It was hopeful, it was faithful. There was one guy named Shortcut. So he was like, hey, dude, you ain't got to walk. I mean, look, he actually enjoyed Shortcut at first. Christian did. And, and then uh, it got to one point, and Shortcut just got off the road and kind of, and it was right at a difficult point in the road. And so Christian was like, you, what you, and he came back. He was like, oh, hey, man, I only walk on the road when the crowds are present and when the sun is shining. But when the road goes into hard, dark places, I just take alternate routes. There's plenty of them. And Christian thought about it. And he remembered what the word had been given to him, never get off of the road. So he didn't go with shortcut. Tragically, this time shortcut went a certain way and he fell off a cliff. And Christian heard his screams and he cringed. Don't get off the road, my sisters and my brothers. And we are on a journey. A journey that we must go on. Amen. You might be tempted as a Christian to get comfortable. It won't be Christianity if you do. We have to go. We have to move. Maybe not always physically, but in some significant way in following Jesus. It will render you uncomfortable. It will demand of you. To move with him. Amen. Uh, second thing. About the highway. Uh, you know. Sometimes roads intersect for a while. Uh, I, one of our campuses. That I, in the ministry I work for. Is in Flint. So the normal way I go. Is I take 96 to 23. Now at a certain point. 23 north. Intersects with I-75. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you. And for a minute, or you may know some other highways do this, I'm on both 23 and 75 at the same time. They intersect. But then after a while, 23 breaks off one way, 75 breaks off another way. Um, brothers and sisters, we are in the world but we can never be of it. We will often intersect with different things. We might join for a while with this cause or that. But at the end of the day, we never fit. We're on our own road. The road the Lord has called us to. We should never fit entirely in the Republican agenda. We should never fit entirely in the Democratic agenda. 
We should never fit perfectly with this group or that group. There's always a tension for us. We don't belong here. It's okay if you affiliate or vote this way or that way and please vote. And it's okay if you're in this business association or maybe that sorority. Maybe it's okay. It's at least worth praying about. Is this group demanding too much of my allegiance? Is it calling for too much of my soul? I'm not theirs. Glad to be dedicated and pay my dues and everything else. And if it gives me a job, amen. I appreciate the dinners. But I'm Christ's. Amen. We might intersect for a time. By the way, I do. I think intersect is, 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 is partly good. Sometimes I'm, I, came up, I come up from the holiness tradition, which is a good thing. But we did do a lot of separating. You know, no, I used to have one preacher. He always say no coating and no stow. Coating meant courting. <laughs> I was like, no courting. Sorry. Right. And he was like, uh, and no store. That's where all the kids would hang out. Right. So he'd be like, no coating, no stow. Another preacher, he'd always say, Jesus ain't coming by the pool house, the pool hall, or the movie house. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, there was some wisdom in some of that. Watch out what movies you watch. You'll be watching every last thing, every last already thing with no consideration. Uh, but uh, there's a verse in Romans 7 that says this. It says, a woman is married to a man as long as he lives. Romans 7, verses 1 through 5. But then it says this, but if he dies, she is free to marry anyone she pleases. Just this one thing, he better belong to the Lord. Does he belong to the Lord? That phrase just kind of catches me. Does he belong? Does she belong to the Lord? Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.